Well, let me say what a joy it is for me to be here this morning with you. Maybe you still have your Bibles open in Hebrews 11, Hebrews chapter 11. The sermon this morning is on the first three verses of this chapter, but I also want us to consider some of the verses that go before, so I start reading from Hebrews chapter 10, verse 32. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 32. But recall the former days when after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction, and sometimes being partners with those so treated. For you had compassion on those in prison and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. For yet a little while, and the coming one will come and will not delay, but my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. Well, this morning, you've all come in into this chapel and you sat down on a chair. And you trust this chair to hold you, to carry you, without even thinking about it. You have faith in that chair. When you get on a bus, you trust, you have faith that this bus driver will take you to the destination that is written on the top of the bus when you do business, you trust that when you sell something, someone will pay the money for your service. There are so many examples from daily life where we trust and have faith. Otherwise, society, our life, would not just not work, wouldn't function. Faith and trust is like a glue holding society together in many ways. 
And we often take that for granted. We don't really think about that, but that's the case. And so this morning, I want to proclaim to you and encourage you with the assumption that the writer of the letter to the Hebrews has actually not only the assumption, the conviction that the writer to the Hebrews has that Jesus Christ is absolutely reliable. He is much more reliable than the chair you're sitting on right now. And so the title of the sermon is Have Faith, and it is taken from this verse 39 in chapter 10, where it says, We are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith. And so the title is Have Faith with an exclamation mark. Have faith. It's an encouragement. It is a call to have faith and to trust. And it's essentially the same as the words that the risen Savior, when he appears to his disciples, says to Thomas. When Thomas puts his hand in his side and touches the physical body of Jesus. And Jesus says to him, do not disbelieve, but believe. Have faith. This is the encouragement this morning. And I think when we look at the first three verses of chapter 11, it's often called a definition of what faith actually is. And that's true. But I also think we find three reasons why we should have faith and why we should believe. And those three reasons are our faith is a hopeful assurance. Our faith, in one word, is sure. It is sure. That's my first point this morning. The second point is our faith is a tested conviction. And in one word, it is tested I'll explain what that means. And the third point is, our faith is a key to understanding. And in one word, or even two words, it is eye-opening. That's the third point for this morning. So it is sure, it is tested, and it is eye-opening. And so the first point here is when we look at the situation of these ancient believers that this letter was addressed to, we see that they are encouraged to look at times when they were afflicted. I read again from verse 32. Recall the former days when after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings, being publicly exposed, and there goes on, being threatened, being treated harshly, being thrown into prison, accepting the plundering of your property. So very difficult circumstances that these believers have and had experienced in their life, suffering, confusion, confusion circumstances that left them uh, asking, what is this all about? And so I want to ask you this morning, you personally, what are the things that confuse you in your life today, this morning? I don't know most of you, but maybe you're irritated by 
the behavior of a friend, a family member, your own children at times. I know this, I have four children. I'm very often irritated and I wonder how can I deal with this? Maybe you're struggling because you failed an exam or you're applying for a job and you just don't find one. Maybe you're suffering from pressure of employees. Maybe you're suffering from the feeling of you're not just not living up to your own standards, your own inadequacy. Maybe you're suffering from some kind of sickness or you're close to someone who is ill and it's a suffering you just can't make sense of. We all today suffer from all kinds of different things. We struggle with all kinds of different things and that's why it's encouraging to see what the writer to the Hebrews tells those um, believers. He tells them actually recall the former days. So think of those situations where you struggled, where you suffered. And then he says, do not throw away your confidence which has a great reward. And then he says in verse 36 in chapter 10, for you have need of endurance. Endurance. And so this word appears later on again in chapter 12 in the context of running the race, uh, the race of faith with endurance. So there's this picture of our lives being like a race. And I don't know about you, but I think almost all of us in school at some stage in um, PE lessons had to run all these rounds around some kind of uh, field or I don't know, in a park and at some stage after five minutes for some, after ten minutes for others and after twenty minutes for others of you you have this feeling of oh, can't go on, it's really hard and what you need then is endurance to go on and really in many ways this is what the writer to the Hebrews encourages us with we need this kind of endurance in our daily life living by faith and the question is how do we get this kind of endurance to just move on to persevere and i think it is by putting our faith our trust in a reality that we cannot see but that is true nevertheless so when we come back to this chair you're sitting on, it actually consists of invisible parts. It consists of atoms yeah, that are forming structures. You cannot see those structures, but you can see the chair. But they're made out of something invisible. You cannot see it. There's an invisible reality that forms something you can see, and then you trust it, and you sit on it this morning. Now, when you look at the writer to the Hebrews, I think he encourages those believers to put their faith in a historical reality. He encourages them to put their confidence in Jesus Christ, in his death and in his resurrection as something that is absolutely certain absolutely sure there is nothing you cannot debate about it the tomb was empty it has really happened christ has been resurrected and you put your faith in that reality you may not see that reality but you believe and know it's absolutely sure it has really happened 
And so, when it says here, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the convictions, conviction of things not seen, then for the believers, even then, it was looking back to the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ and putting their trust in that reality. And so, for us today, this is the first encouragement from this passage. Let us put our trust once again in this historical reality of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The second point here is in, it's actually still part of verse 1 and also verse 2 in chapter 11. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, for by it the people of old received their commendation. So this word commendation is a bit difficult for me as a non-native speaker, but it means more or less when you look at the rest of the chapter 11 then, that this faith that the writer is talking about has been tested again and again, and God has granted that by this faith he is pleased with the people who have had that faith, and he forgives them, and he grants them that they will see their prom the promises of God fulfilled. It is a tested conviction. And I only want to look briefly at two of the examples that Kevin has just read about, and that is um, Noah and Abraham, who are mentioned in chapter 11. So Noah says there in verse 7, by faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. So Noah is an example of someone who lived in an age of unbelief. Virtually everybody around him would not acknowledge that there is a reality of things that cannot be seen. But God called Noah, and Noah trusted in that call to build the ark. So he had faith in this invisible reality that God was there, and that he called him, and that he announced judgment. And so in many ways, we can relate to that, can't we? We live in an age of unbelief, especially in the society we're here. In the UK, I think that's true for Germany as well. We're surrounded by people who do not really believe in the reality of things unseen. And not to speak of the reality of a God who created everything and who wants to connect with us in a personal way. And so you may struggle with things like, I don't know, in school maybe, people may wonder, why do you actually pray? What's that? That's strange. You talk to someone who is not really there. They may say that to you. Or people may wonder, why are you actually here this Sunday morning? What's the point of going to a service on Sunday morning? 
I don't know if you have people questioning that. I definitely believe when you start talking about the Bible, there will be people asking you, why do you believe these strange stories from a strange old book? Doesn't make sense whatsoever. So we are confronted with this reality. We live in an age of unbelief. But Noah, he believed in God's call and promises. He believed in the announcement of God that there will be events that were yet unseen, so he couldn't see them yet. And Abraham is a different example than in verse 8, where it says, by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. There's so much to, to say about Abraham. I just want to pick on one point here, really. And that is, Abraham wasn't sure, really, where he was going, but he knew he had to go, and he was moving from one place to another. And this new place, even, he knew was just a land of promise. There was something else to come in the future. But he was moving from one place to the next, and then it says that he was a guest in this new land. He wasn't really at home there yet. He was looking forward to a better home. Now, I just wonder from this, when we question ourselves, where do we feel at home? Where do we feel at home? I don't know if there's anyone here who has moved recently from one place to the next. It can be a very stressful experience. Moving is, I think, even um, there has been studied at universities. Moving is one of the most stressful experiences for human beings, actually. Especially when you have to move with several people. And when you move, there's change in the language of people, sometimes change in the food, culture, landscape may change, lots of factors may change and influence how you feel in this new place. And so, when we move from one place to the next, this is also, to a degree, an act of faith. How do we feel? feel in this new place? Are we at home in this new place? Will we ever feel at home in this new place? Now, and I think it's interesting here to see that Abraham, in this new land, he still felt as a guest that he knew there was still a better place, a better land to come. And for us, I think the question really is, where do we feel at home, really? Do we actually feel at home in the church of God? Is this our real home where we actually long together for a better future, a promised future, a future invisible reality that we cannot see yet? And I also think it's very interesting that it says here in Hebrews 11 that all these people, Abraham, um, 
Abel, Noah. It says there in verse 13 that these all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. So Abraham moved, Noah built the ark, but the final promises of God, they didn't even see them in their lives. But we, today, we already see much more of some of those promises. It's interesting that the, reader, um, the writer to the Hebrews writes in verse 39 at the end of chapter 11, and all these, though commanded through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, that's the believers at that time, they should not be made perfect. They were looking forward to a promised land. They were looking forward to a savior, and that savior actually came. And that is historical reality. So again, today we see much more of it. We see that Christ is the author and perfecter of our faith. We see this completed book, the revelation of God. We see the visible church around us. You look at the different people here in this room, they all testify that God fulfills his promises, that he builds his church. In the sacraments, we see Christ visibly offered to us and so all these things prove to us that this ancient faith has been tested successfully and God has actually made many of his promises true already and we should take courage in that. And sometimes I wonder, we often feel so alone with our faith and I think it's actually a sinful idea to believe you know, we, I'm the only one who struggles with all of this when we come together as believers, we realize we're not alone in this struggle and the faith has been tested many, many times, even with many people in this room when you talk to each other. This faith has been tested. Finally, we look at verse 3 in chapter 11. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. And my third point here is faith is eye-opening. It is a key to understanding. And this verse actually takes us back to the creation of the world. It takes us back to the first verse in Genesis 1, 1, where it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So, through faith, we can understand some of the most basic questions that humans ask. We can understand the question, where does this world come from? We can understand the question, where do I come from? Who am I? And there is no real answer in this society we live in today in modern Europe. There are all kinds of ideas, but there is no real answer. The only real answer really is 
You can make up your own mind upon these questions. You basically answer the questions as they fit to you. But by faith, we realize there is an answer to these most basic questions in our lives. By faith, we realize that everything we see outside, everything we see in here, is intended to be appreciated and to be appreciated and also um, as a, it was to be seen as a reason to worship the creator of all these things. By faith, I realize that I'm a tiny but very significant piece of the puzzle of God putting things together. By faith, I realize that my true identity as a child of God is in Christ. And I really believe the most basic problem that humanity has is the sin of unbelief. It is the sin that we don't see these things by faith. And this brings a lot of confusion. In the end, I think we can trace back almost every single problem on this planet that it's somehow related to this lack of faith to see the things as they really are. And faith opens our eyes to the reality that everything we see, everything we experience, has a real meaning to it. It is significant. It's not wasted. Can you see this this morning? That everything you experience is meaningful because there is a purpose behind it by the creator of the universe. So our faith is eye-opening. And really, again, Faith can be seen in some things. The scriptures tell us that um, by the fruit of the Spirit, things can be seen that some people have faith, so love and peace and patience, so change in people's lives. That's how faith can be seen. By love for God, love for God's people, all these are signs of the invisible reality of faith, true faith in someone's heart. But in the end, really, when you look at your chair again, you're sitting on this chair, you trust in this chair, but, and you don't have to see its maker to trust it. You don't have to trust that someone built this chair at some stage. You just see that reality of the chair and you're sitting on it and the chair is really a fruit of its maker's work and in many ways we we need to realize that faith is as real as the chairs we're sitting on the reality that there is a creator is 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 the same reality that's how real he is and faith opens our eyes to that reality so your faith is sure it is tested, and it is eye-opening. And so, final word of 
application. I still remember many talks with friends in school, and when I would talk to them about faith, they would often respond, well, it's nice that you believe all these things, but I cannot believe. I don't know if you've had conversations like that. Now, I think we have to come back then to what Kevin said early on in this service. Faith is a gift from God. And if you're sitting on here this morning and you sense that you cannot really believe these things, you cannot really believe that there's a God, that there's someone who has created the universe, that there's a purpose to all the struggles you're going through, then really I want to encourage you to kneel down, maybe after the service or even now in your heart, and pray to God and ask him to create something out of nothing because that's God's nature. You see that here in verse 3, it says, Everything that we see was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. So God, it's, it's in nature to create things out of nothing. And really, this is also true for true and living faith. We need God's work in our hearts. And so I encourage you to cry out to God to give you this living faith. That you pray I believe, help my unbelief. And for us who can already say, yes, there is a seed of faith in my heart and I put my trust in Christ. Maybe just three applications which can be specific also here for this con congregation. The first one is our faith is sure. So let's cry out to God that we would stop doubting him all the time. Let's cry out to him that we would stop doubting all the time. Because in verse 6 it says, and without faith it is impossible to please him. Let's pray that we would not be people who shrink back, but who have faith and who stop doubting God and his promises. And the second application is concerning the point that our faith is tested now, it is very helpful to look at all these examples of people who have lived by faith. But even today, we need each other. We need to see each other's faith and how it is tested today. And we need to talk to each other about it. So the second application really is make this church a priority. Make fellowship with other believers a priority. We need each other and see how our faith is tested day by day, and see how we walk by faith despite the difficulties and challenges that we face. And the third point is, because our faith is eye-opening for things that we do not see, I want us to encourage, be encouraged and to dare to pray for more than what we can see. Let's dare to pray for more than what we can see right now in front of our eyes. This is prayer by faith. And when I think of the past few days when we were looking at revival, really, it needs faith so that we can pray for such a work of God in our hearts and in our countries. Dare to pray for more. 
than what you can see. 